welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 123, House Call, Jesus in the House. Now, if any of you are like me, if you have your mom or somebody that you know, coworker, neighbor, somebody coming in, into your house, you always try to make it look neat or make it look presentable, as we say. But when it comes to Christ, Jesus Christ coming into our homes, he's not coming to look to see what you have as your furniture, how you have it laid out, what you have in your refrigerator, the things that you would think of when you think of natural people coming to your house. When Christ comes to a house, it's always about seeking and saving that which is lost and saving people's salvation. And we're going to have a couple stories today that we're going to talk about that because some things are happening inside of my house and your house and everybody's house that is affecting the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to break it down tonight so we can talk about it because as we're getting ready to come to the close of the year, and I know we're getting ready to celebrate a, a major holiday and go into a new year, but we have to have some reflection, some, some assessment of some things that are really going on. And as we're talking about having a small gathering or a, a larger gathering or what family to bring into the bubble and those kind of things, all those are things that are right for right now. But these are things that we have to look at when it comes to eternity. So because I'm going to be reading scriptures, I wanted to, to go straight into the scriptures. So what we're going to have tonight, we're going to go into Romans 12. And I, I really do want to read the entire Romans 12, 13 verses of it because what we're going on in the house, what's happening in the house is affecting you in the way that you're affecting your body, affecting your mind, affecting your peace, affecting your ministry and the gifts that God has given you. And even how you see and treat other people, friend, foe, or anybody that you don't even know as a stranger. So look at what Romans 12 talks about. And we're going to start with Romans 12 and I'm going to keep repeating it as I go through a couple of stories. Now, Romans 12 starts out, it says, I beseech you, brethren. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hold on, stay with me now. I know this sounds churchy, but just listen to the word of God. For I say, though... For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Y'all hear that? Let us use them. But something going on in our house is affecting the use of the gifts that God is given to each and every one of us that are his children, I should say. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the propitiation of, of the proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. 
He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference one to another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Y'all know I talk about hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Y'all remember that. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Now, I normally don't read all of the chapter, but because of what I'm talking about, this house call, Jesus in the house, all of us, whether you have a real house, an apartment, you're living on the streets, homeless, we all have what we call the place that we can feel the most comfortable. And normally that's in what we call our house or our home. But something is unsettled in these homes of ours to the point that it's affecting us in every facet of our personal self, our mental health, and even of the ministry to Jesus Christ, even our prayer life, everything's affected. Now, we're going to go on these two stories because if you don't have fellowship with Christ, you don't even have the foundation of your house right. So Christ is going to make sure that you first have him in your house, that you have the salvation, which is the core of the foundation of any house. It does no good to have wonderful windows and wonderful doorknobs and crown molding and colors on the wall for paint and all these contraptions and appliances and furniture if you don't have your foundation right because as soon as the storm comes, it's all going to be destroyed. And we see a lot of it. Y'all may have your houses looking right, but something ain't right. And maybe you can fool Anita and you can fool some of the people, but Christ is seeing what's happening within these houses. And there's some house calls he is wanting to make with some of us who say, I'll, I'll keep you in the corner, Jesus. I'll keep you in the basement, Jesus, but I don't want you in my bedroom, Jesus. I don't want you in my kitchen, Jesus. I don't want you in any part of my house that I haven't relegated. And he said, no, 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 baby. No, no, baby girl. No, baby boy. I'm all of the house, every part of the house. If you follow me, you're going to take up your cross daily and we're going to be an 
all a part of the house, not just relegated in a corner, like some of us are doing. We were talking in church on Sunday, and my husband said something about some of us would be frustrated or in anger by coming back from worship and somebody being in a house that should have been in worship. But in reality, we have a lot of people who go to worship and all right, all right. They are totally all right, fine with people in that house not wanting to have a relationship with Christ, not wanting to go worship. They all right because they would rather them be there than not be there because they could be lonely. They'd be all by themselves and they can't deal with that in the house. Well, let's go over to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start with the basics. In this story, you're going to see that Zacchaeus, he's a chief tax collector. He's rich. He's short and rich. That's all we always kind of pull away from Zacchaeus, that he's short and rich, and there's an encounter with Christ. But Zacchaeus wanted to see. He wanted to see what Jesus was about. He wanted to put his eyes on him, his natural eyes. He wanted to see for himself what was all of this talk about Jesus Christ that he'd heard. Something had moved him to the point of even in his wealth, his position of authority. He, he was the chief tax collector. But something about what he'd heard about Jesus, he wanted to put his eyes on him. But y'all got to understand, in the Jewish tradition, they would invite the stranger to their house. But in this case, Zacchaeus wasn't thinking about Jesus coming to the house. He wasn't thinking about any house call. He just wanted to see him. He wanted to see him for himself. But things turned around. And look what happens in the story. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. People want to see Jesus. People want to find out what's it about, but it's all kind of motives going on there. But this crowd was around Jesus, but Zacchaeus could see, but he was determined. He wanted to see. So I want y'all to imagine a grown man. Short as he was, it don't matter the height stuff, but he was a short in stature. But a grown man and a rich man and a chief tax collector climbing up a tree. I'm sure I'm, I'm not climbing up a tree. I, I don't have the capability. But this man was so interested in seeing Jesus, he climbed up a tree. So here it says in verse 4. I'll go back to three. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. See, it's all about the seeing. But Christ wants us to more than see him. We have to experience him. We have to find salvation in a relationship. And it's not all about the natural eye. So verse five says, And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up. Christ took his eyes and he looked up and he saw. He said, and he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus didn't come to have Christ come to his house. He came to check Christ out and Christ is turning the tables and saying, I'm coming to your house. Come on down that tree because I'm coming to your house. How many people, me included, we have our plans of what we expect. 
And then Christ says, no, I'm coming to your house. Are y'all ready for Christ to come to your house? I mean, he's not coming, like I said, to see the superficial. He's coming to the house to see where salvation resides in the house. Is it a foundation or is it just playing games in a corner on a coffee table? Is it playing games and has a cross on the wall? Is it playing game and having a stencil somewhere? Else? Are you playing games or is salvation in the house? But in this case, Christ is telling Zacchaeus, make haste, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. Now, you didn't see Zacchaeus say, oh, I don't have any food. I don't have my house clean. I don't, well, none of that. It says here, verse six says, so he made haste. And came down and received him joyfully. Y'all hear that? He's not even saved yet. But he's joyful to have Christ see him. And tell him, I'm coming to your house today. He didn't make excuses for, oh, oh, you can't come to my house. I got people shacking at my house. Oh, you can't come to my house. There's some stuff going on. I got drugs and alcohol in my house. Oh, you can't come to my house. I got this and that. He accepted Christ saying, I'm coming to your house joyfully. Can you say that? Really, can you say that? Verse 7, but when they, now there's always a they. Uh, there's always some they that really wants to be upset about Christ coming into my house and your house. They talk to talk, the they's. But in reality, anybody should be joyful to have Christ come to my house and your house and all our houses. But the they. That's satanic, they. Even though they may have the look and feel that, hey, they all spiritual, they got a problem with Christ coming to your house and miles. And in this case, Zacchaeus' house. It says, but verse 7, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Guess what, saints? Christ wants to be in the house of the sinners so he can save, so he can bring salvation to the house. He wants us to go into the house as believers in Christ to the sinner to share the message of Christ. So verse 8 says, Then Zacchaeus stood. Now, he's already on the way to the house, but he's having this conversation for Christ, to Christ. Remember what we talked about in Romans? How in the ministry, we need to make sure that that grace of those gifts. But Zacchaeus is just learning about Christ. He, Like he said, he was just coming to see who he was. But just in that brief encounter, he was convicted. Mm -hmm. Can we understand how just having Christ come to our house convict us, convicts us about what we should be doing in what Romans 12 lays out, what the scriptures lay out. So he stood and he said to the Lord, look, because he already knows Christ sees. But he says, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold, fourfold. Remember about the needy given to the needy? Now, he's the chief tax collector. He's not a loved man. None of us love the IRS treasury people. But he's saying, I need to give. I've got a lot. I'm rich. Do y'all say? It said he was a chief tax collector and they put the description he's rich, but he's already feeling convicted that he hasn't been sharing liberally. 
He hasn't been giving. He's been very high. He's been seeking high things, but he hasn't sought Christ. And he hasn't saw the needs and been giving to the needs. His house has been filled with plenty, but others have been struggling. So he already comes back and says, Lord, if I've done some things, I'm going to restore. And that's what we all have to do. We have to repent. God has to convict us, but we have to be in a repentant stage that when Christ is in our house, when he's in our midst, he's never leaving us or forsaking us. But in our house, are we being convicted about all that we have, all that we're hoarding on ourselves and what we're not giving in love and affectionately and being hospitable to others and being humble and not seeking the high things and not trying to think ourselves more than we ought against the other, or even our brothers. Verse 9 says here, And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. This is the key to the house call. If you are living in a house that you know Christ is not the foundation for yourself and for the lives that are living in the house. I don't care if you're roommates. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend. I don't care if you got shacking up people. That's not the point of salvation. He was a sinner. That's what the they were complaining about because Christ was willing to come to that house. And he said, today, salvation has come to this house. And we as believers in Christ need to make sure when we have our house and we visit other houses, are we bringing the Christ that wants to bring salvation to the house? Are we bringing judgment? Are we bringing uppityness? Are we bringing being high-minded? Are we bringing all of that things that it's not listed in the gifts of the spirit? Are we being loving and kind and generous? Or are we trying to avenge and have revenge on things that have been harmed to us and bringing evil instead of the love? Now, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. The son, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's in the house. Some of you have family members in their house and you go to visit. And you have all this wonderful time to do all these wonderful things. But guess what? You are a representative of Christ Jesus. When you come to the house, don't, don't try to do all the other stuff of, of bringing the wine, bringing the house gift, bringing this, bringing that. Bring Jesus with you. Bring the love of Christ with you. Bring the gifts of the Spirit that are spoken of in, in Romans chapter 12 with you. Let's go to another story because I know time is running. We're going to still be in Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Now, many of us have heard the stories. I've taught the story. We were in a sinner's house and we saw where Christ talks about salvation and there was conviction by Zacchaeus. But here we are in Matthew, excuse me, in Martha and Mary and Lazarus house. These are friends of Christ. They're believers in Christ. So you can't say things don't happen because you are believing and you love the Lord because things happen in our house, our houses too. So in chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, y'all know the story. I want y'all to think back on that list that we saw in Romans 12, because part of what's going on in Romans 12 and what he lists out of what he thinks that we should be doing, you have a forgetfulness on Martha's behalf. Martha gets all ups, upset, but guess what? 
many of us in our houses were distracted. We're distracted by, well, we got so much ministry work outside the house. Well, we have to do this. We have to do this for the family. We got to do this for the work. We got to do this for all these different things. And we're distracted. The cares of this world are distracting us. But every household needs to be focused on the things of the Lord. I'm not saying being a fanatic. I'm not saying that you can't have fun. I'm not saying that you can't do things in your house. But I always remember that Christ has given you the house for the things that are to share with others. Hospitality, to share the needs of, of what you have with others, the things that you have that you can give to others that have a need. And guess what? We all have need of Christ. We all have need of more peace. All of the people that are struggling, I mean, people are sick and dying around us for the pandemic. People, people are having all kinds of woes because they can't see their loved ones. There's something you can contribute, even if it's just you calling and checking on them. If you have somebody that's, that's not in your bubble, maybe you can say, hey, I got a, a few extra masks. I got a few extra gloves. I got some hand sanitizer. But guess what? Would you like for me to pray? I can pray with you over the phone. I can have my mask on. I can lift you up in prayer. Tell me what, what you need. What's, what are you struggling with? But here we have a woman who has Christ in her house. Salvation has come to her house that day. And he's speaking, as he always does, about his father and the kingdom. But guess what? She's distracted about the groceries. As the Reverend Winner should say, the, the good groceries. She's distracted about things that are temporary. And that's what happens with us. We get so bogged down, we get distracted by the temporary. But here it is in verse 20, 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him. She welcomed him into her house. So she's showing hospitality to Christ. And she's doing, everybody come on over, Christ. Come on over to my house. I'll, I'll get some stuff for everybody and people coming in and they're going to hear about the word of God. It all sounds fine, doesn't it? But then something is twisted. It says here, verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me serve alone therefore tell her to help me and Jesus answered and said to her Martha Martha you're worried and troubled about many things but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her now I've oft, I've already taught this before so you can look up some of the milkshake Mondays but the reality is what we all have need of is what Christ is teaching in his word in our houses if you got houses of people that don't want to go to worship you are, the you are the word of God to those people. You are the praying person. You are the church. They don't have to physically go all the way to your church on Sunday. If they're not at that place, you pray for them. You tell them about the word. You share the word of God in nuggets if you have to. You be an example of Christ, not be a goody two-shoe. I'm not talking about no, being no goody two-shoe to be something you're not. All of us are sinners saved by the word of God. We're all sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that. But in this case, Jesus has come 
and Mary is at the feet of Jesus because the reality is we all have to take that time to listen to the word of God, to learn of his word. As we were just talking about the Holy Spirit on Sunday, let the Holy Spirit have that time to tell us, tell me, I'm telling you, I get distracted. I get distracted. I'm not being t- teaching y'all something that I'm not always convicted of. There's a lot going on in my house. I work. I'm not. A, I'm a full-time worker. I'm a full-time caregiver. I'm a full-time a lot of things. But I have to recognize that in order for me to have what I need, I have to be at the feet of Jesus like Mary. I can't be Martha and be distracted or the house just falls apart. And this, this life that we have now is temporary. And it's important for us to share with one another about the word of God. To every tongue, tribe, and nation, everywhere, this is the most important thing that I'm going to do today. Not what I did for work, but this. Because we have to share who Christ is so that we're not so distracted about the cares of this world. Because this world is going to be gone. God's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. This is going to be gone. But we have to start telling people who are struggling in the house. These beautiful houses that we see, that's not the reality, saints. Whether it's churchgoers or not churchgoers. People got a lot of stuff. Houses and cars and trinkets and junk and treasures. But they're not at peace with one another. They're talking about domestic violence. They're talking about drugs. They're talking about all kinds of things happening. But if you don't have the foundation of the homes and the houses and the places that you call your place to be, and there's no Christ there, there can be no peace. And the kids aren't going to be right. The mamas and daddies and the grandmamas aren't going to be right. The boyfriends and girlfriends are going to be right. All these things are happening. But without God, there is no peace. And that's why we have to start talking about this. The last scripture that we're going to have is in Luke chapter 9. I said it in one of the previous Milkshake Mondays. And it talks about our fellowship. And depending on how we follow and what we do or what Christ talks about is how we find our houses in disarray. And that we don't want Christ to make a house call. We don't want him in the house. We don't want them in the house, not because the bed's not made, not because the house is a four bedroom and it needs to be a five bedroom, not because of the things of what he could come and see about the superficial things. It's because we don't want him to see us. We don't want him to recognize what we got going on. But here's the thing. He already knows What's happening in your house? What's happening outside your house? What you're thinking? What you're doing? What you're doing with your body? What you're thinking about your mind? What you got going on? How you feel about the people? How you feel about the church members? What you do or do not know about your gift? What you're doing in the grace of the gift that's given and what you're not doing? What you're doing that's not cheerfully? What you're doing, whether you're uh, not being discreet about it? How you feel about things that are done to you, against you? How you want to get back at people? How you want to gossip about people. He knows all that stuff. You know, you're not surprising him that you shacking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're not surprising him that you got four or five kids out of wedlock. You're not surprising him how you think. That's not, Christ knows it all. But when you put on all these things, you're, you're, you're insulting the fact that you have 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they know everything about you. They already know the books that are written on us. You know, Psalm 139, take a look at it. But here in Luke chapter 9, it says, Then he said to them all, we're part of the all. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires. See, we're afraid that he's going to come in the house and realize we don't desire him. We don't desire to follow him. We don't desire to know about him. We don't desire to hear about him. We don't desire to hear scriptures or anything. But let's say the Holy Spirit is drawing you. If anyone desires to come after me, that's Christ talking. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Here's the kicker, because a lot of us are, are working ourselves to death, as the expression goes. Working ourselves to the bone to get all this thing on the earth, the house, the cars, the lands, the prophets and all this stuff. But God says here, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You can have that big house, but if you go to hell, what good would it do? Don't you remember the story Lazarus and the rich man? The rich man had all the house that he could have, purple clothes, arrayed in fine things. Lazarus didn't have anything. Had sores on his body that the dogs licked. One found himself in heaven. Rich man found himself in hell. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 9. For what? For whoever is ashamed of me, this is the reason why you don't want him in the house. You're ashamed of Christ. You're ashamed of the things of Christ. You're ashamed of the scriptures. You're ashamed of the commandments. You're ashamed of the faith. You're ashamed of what you understand of Christ. Zacchaeus was smart enough as a sinner, as a chief tax collector, as a rich man, to want to see about Christ. But you don't even want to know about Christ, some of you. You're ashamed of him. You're embarrassed about him. You're thinking mama and grandmama were wrong. But the reality is, you better understand that he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, is ashamed of me and my words, he says, of him. The Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. You don't want to have the situation where you never let Christ come into your house. You don't allow the house call. You don't allow him to come and make his abode, his fellowship with you. You, you want to say, stay out, beware, no soliciting. In this case, you need to say, Christ, come in. I need salvation to come to my house today. Not tomorrow, today. People are losing their lives every day. Not just for COVID. This COVID thing may very well pass. And maybe some of us will still be in the land to live and to tell the story about it. But the reality is, is what if it's tonight that Christ calls you home? What if it's tonight? You know, we always think we got tomorrow. But if it's tonight, are you able to say that you love Christ? That you want him to come into your life? That you want him into your home? That you want him to be every nook and cranny of your home, of your heart? 
You want him to be a part of. You want to follow him. That's your desire. Well, guess what? You have to be real and repent and tell him that you are a sinner, that you've sinned against his very will and all of the ways of his father. And you ask him to forgive you and say that you repent. Repent means to change, to recognize that you've done something wrong and repent. And ask Christ to come into your heart. Let him come in and fill you. He is your home. It's not the building. He is your home. When you have Christ, it doesn't matter if you go bankrupt. It doesn't matter the sickness and disease. It doesn't matter about the death all around you. It's not that it won't affect you and cause you to feel like you're sad sometimes and disappointed and heavy hearted and grieve. It's not that you're going to be magically not having those emotions. But when you understand that you're not coping, you are having him hold you having him carry you, having him fill you. And the peace that surpasses all understanding is recognizing that it's all Christ. It's not any of us. It's Christ. But you have to today allow salvation to come to your house. Let it come inside this heart of yours, this soul of yours. You are the house that he wants you to come in, not the building. He wants you to make him your home. So I pray, God, that in the name of Jesus, that those of you who know Christ will start to witness more and more in the house that you live in and the houses that you go to visit. Stop hiding him. Share him. Even if the consequence is that they don't want to hear it. You shared the seed of the word with the people that you love and are exposed to that are in your sphere of influence. If you don't, they're going to hell. They may think they're having a great time. They don't want to hear you, but share who Christ is. They want to reject Christ. You've done your part. They may not want him this very second, but there's going to come a time that somebody else may water that seed. And it's our prayer as saints of God that we do the very work and ministry that's called out in Romans 12. It's our reasonable service to minister to the Lord. I love you and I thank you. And as you all prepare for the holidays, think of others. Think of others. And I end with this one thing and say the personal note that Rev and I put about Beth Moore. Trumpism is not of God. Only Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. And anything that exalts himself above Christ is not of God, it's the Antichrist, and it's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we've been talking about that in, in Friday night Bible class. Only Christ is the Son of God and the Chosen One. He is the only perfect example, and we put our hope and faith in him, not in any elected official, Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Only Christ is the Savior. And anything that elevates itself above the Lord Jesus Christ is not of God. And I thank God and Reverend Helm and I both thank God for Sister Beth Moore telling the truth and being willing to be attacked and even the threats for her life. But we thank God for us to speak the truth in love. We love you and God bless you. We'll see you next week.